For a podcast about moons, I hope we actually do spend a bit of time talking about moons and not having a thousand tangents into different things. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Honest Andy's Discount Moon Show! So this is a podcast about moons, and I am Andy, and I make the Lunatic Channel. I am here with a good friend of mine, Rick, Rick Falcon. Hello, Rick. Hello, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Uh, this, I feel a bit nervous, actually, just doing this podcast, like this is the first recording, and this is going to be... Hopefully a podcast that talks about moons, moon-related things, very much like my channel, but to go into hopefully a bit more depth than I might be able to do in the videos, just because I try to keep them short and choppy and easy to watch, but also informative, whereas this will allow for a bit of discussion, and also for you to kind of pick me up on things that I should be explaining a bit better. Yeah, so I, I understand my role is to be the voice of conscience or the voice of the audience. So what would the audience ask if they were able to speak to the godlike figure that is Andy? Uh, <laughs> and ask him a moon-related question. I, I take issue with the term godlike. Right, okay. Maybe if you're not, not a good god, just, you know, one of the, one of the rubbish ones. Yeah, yeah, like in Greek mythology, one of the ones that just happens to be like a swan or yeah. something like that. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or God, God of Pancakes. Yeah, got turned into a badger and <laughs> never really bothered to try to turn back. One of them. Maybe had like a bit of power, like a, a mayor of a small city, but that's about it, really. Yeah. Could polish boots really well. Uh, <laughs> Brasso. <laughs> the God of Brasso badger. So, yeah, uh, I will be asking questions and pretending to be ignorant like the average listener. The average listener will hopefully not be ignorant. Not by the end of the podcast. We, we, shall, we shall hope so. But yes, this is uh, going to talk about moon-related news, and hopefully every week we'll have like a little topic of discussion, probably around moons in popular culture, or a maybe about a video that I've done recently. Uh, like Maybe if we do one about a Jovian moon, we can talk about that in more detail, because they're, they're always really, really fascinating. There's just so much going on. So the first question there, Andy. Yes? A Jovian moon. Jovian, meaning... Is that jovial? Uh, <laughs> like a funny moon. Funny moon. Yeah. Uh, no, Jovian is the adjective for an object belonging to Jupiter, or Jovian. There's Venusian for Venus, Mercurial for... or Mercurian for Mercury, You've got Martian, Saturnian, Jovian, Neptunian, Uranian, and Plutonian. Ah, cool. What's Earthian? I don't know. I, I, I think they just say Earth. In the, in the same way that our moon is just the moon, which I always find a bit pretentious. All the others have really nice names, whereas ours <laughs> is the moon. Yeah. But I think we should now talk about some moon news. Yes. Moon news. So, Richard, uh, as someone who I asked to do a bit of reading on moon-related <laughs> stuff, can you tell me, in a moon news quiz format, who has actually unveiled some of the kit that's going to be taken to the moon? Uh, was that Mike Pence? It was. Fantastic. It was Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, who is following the orders of Trump's space directive. 
which was set out in December 2017, I think, of promising to get humans to the moon by 2024. And some of the kit has actually been unveiled recently. Uh, it's quite reassuring that it's actually using some European stuff as well. Um, <laughs> Is that more reliable or less just... The ESA has had some fantastic stuff actually go up to space, uh, but the, I think the last thing we tried to put, the, the last thing Britain did was the Beagle. I mean, it might not be the last thing, but the Beagle failed miserably. Yay. <laughs> well done, Britain. This was Bring on Brexit. We don't want none of that European success. We want to go back to British ways of failing. We have been recording for, <laughs> I think... Five minutes, and yeah. you've already managed to bring up Brexit. Brexit yes. Um, no comment. I don't want to delve into <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> Donald Trump had an American first policy. Why has he come to Europe for our whatever we're providing? Exhaust pipes? Uh, fluffy we, dice? Uh, the Artemis mission is, is what they're known as. ESA is providing is a the power and propulsion for the Orion capsule. The Orion capsule being the thing that the astronauts are actually going to sip in, sit in. So, not sip in. But, well, they will be sipping <laughs> things in it. <laughs> They'll be sipping water. Gone are the days of the no sipping policy of the Apollo program. You either drink fully or you get off the ship. <laughs> it was chugs, chugging everything. Because astronaut food comes in bags, doesn't it? Yeah. So, oh, this pudding's so stodgy. Down in one. <laughs> we like to drink with Neil, because Neil is our mate. mate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll be providing... Uh, we, I guess, sorry. The ESA will, will be providing the power and propulsion for the Orion capsule. And that's the one that's going to have the astronauts sat in. Uh, it's just going to get shipped over to America and combined with other parts of the ship. So it's kind of like ordering the bits of your computer from different companies and just hoping they kind of all work together. <laughs> um, a bit more scientific than that. Yeah, instead of pcbuilder.com, yeah. they've got NASA to sort it all out. Rocketbuilder.com. Uh, but they've actually had to streamline a lot of contracting of stuff because usually they award contracts. But at the moment now they're just going like, no, you do this. So I they're think... Skipping the bidding process. Yes, they are. So for Northern Gunrop or Gun... What, what is Northrop it? Grumman. That's the one. <laughs> Northern Gunrop, I think, is much. I think I had an uncle in Yorkshire that died from that. Oh, got Northern Gunrop. <laughs> no, no. Oh. <laughs> to go with me flat cap. Go with you. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the company called? Northrop Grumman. Yeah, them. They currently build the pressure cargo, the pressure things... The, Basically, the cargo vessel that takes supplies up to the International Space Station. So they've awarded them the contract to take cargo or to help ship items, probably people as well, from Earth to Gateway, which will be the uh, space station that's going to be up in orbit around the moon. If it's still there, though, because NASA's thinking of actually... <laughs> the <scrapping>. moon? <laughs> Gateway. <laughs> I know it's drifting away, but it's like government programs are notoriously slow. Part of the plan is, you have, part of the Artemis mission is you'll have Gateway, which is a um, space station that's going to go around the moon. And so the idea is you send people up to the Gateway, refuel, go to the surface, back up and back. And there, if you have something orbiting the moon, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to actually go to Mars because you spend so much of your fuel getting off the Earth. Whereas if you manage to leave Gateway or leave the moon to go to Mars, it's a lot quicker and it's a lot more fuel effective as well because you can refuel Oh, cool. So it's like a service station. Exactly. Okay. Cool. It, 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 is, it is like a service station, 
it's gonna it's basically gonna make it a lot easier. Because is it like you know when they had the shuttle instead of building a rocket from scratch, you had a reusable shuttle, so it just the yeah. shuttle came back down, right? Chuck some more fuel on it, and then it can go back up in like a wee few weeks. So it just cause it just industrialized. A bit like that, but also imagine doing two trips, but one you're just sending all the fuel up ahead of you yeah. to put on the rocket, and then the second time you send up all the equipment. Mm with the people yeah. as well because then you've just split the weight you split split the mass yeah. load split the risk presumably as well uh double the risk mm-hmm. well every one of these is going to be risky no matter what uh, ideally if you could do something just once that would be better having to do it twice means that you're exposing yourself to the same risks twice uh, or do yeah. you are you on about reducing the risk of as in we're literally sitting on petrol and we've got yeah. fire beneath? There's <laughs> a bit of that. Right? Yeah, it's risky, but if you um, you know if one thing fails, you can sort of do that bit again. So it's like oh, if, yeah. I'm, uh, if I'm if I'm uh, launching some fuel and some people, if I go launch the fuel first, it's like okay, that's safe, that's there. Okay, brilliant. Now I'll launch the people. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it's, it's a bit more measured and controlled. Yes, it will be. Well, you'd hope so, but considering that Trump has said, we're going to do this by 2024. <laughs> You're saying Trump and measured and controlled and not going together? Yes, it, it, it's, it's almost like you can't put them in the same sentence. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of this is being rushed. Let me find the quote from... From NASA? No, from the White House. Is it, hurry up, hurry up, come on, is my rocket ready yet? We're not rushing you. There you go. So the White House Office of Management and Budget, OMB, thinks getting rid of the Lunar Gateway would streamline the project and that the gateway is not needed. So what they've done is said, like, NASA, come up with a plan to get to the moon. Okay, here's our plan. Oh, that looks tricky. (laughs) I don't trust these experts anymore. (laughs) Well, who would you trust about space travel, NASA or the White House? They've put in this what seems to be unmovable deadline of 2024, Asked them to come up with a plan. They've come up with a plan, and then they've said, no, cut it. <laughs> they've just streamlined it. But the whole point is that they, NASA have said this is going to be more than a boots and flags mission. They're going to do some actual honest-to-God things. This is going to be not an exploratory, hey, we made it. That's good. It's going to actual have some scientific merit, some experiments, and also some to keep it there permanently. So if you want it there permanently, do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time. I assume a boots and flags mission is just, we got our boots on the ground, we planted a flag. Yeah. Like that's the, it. Like the last missions. Although they did conduct experiments and more importantly, they brought back some samples which have been immeasurable in terms of how uh, useful and how much we've learned from the actual samples. But boots and flags was pretty much what it was. It was just a case of we could, we made the achievement of getting to the moon. Mm. Uh, which they've been raving about recently for this 50th anniversary of. Yeah, well, fair play. Yeah, it, it's a nice thing to celebrate, but also what do you do? Or what do you do with the information other than celebrate that it's yeah. 50, 50 years since man first walked on the moon? That, that's interesting, but we want to go back Yeah. talk more about that. It's like New Year. What do you do? Well, drink. It's just another New Year. Yeah. It's, it's an excuse to drink. Oh, oh, 50 years since man went on the moon. Right, I'll have a drink. 51 years. Yeah. 51 years. Oh, no. 50 years in a week. Yeah, I'll have a drink. Basically, I've got a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> the day ends in a white. Yeah, drink. I, I know it's a bit morbid, but I think the reason why they made such a big deal about the 50th anniversary was it's a significant anniversary 
with the astronauts who did it who are still alive and probably won't be alive for the 60th. Sure as hell won't be alive for this for the 100th. Yes. Uh, but for the... Nor so, 200th. Uh, no, yes. And so on and, and so, so on. on. <laughs> but uh, as morbid as it sounds, I can see why they made a celebration. And I, like, I made a video about it just saying, like, here is, if you want to learn more about it, here are some things you can do, resources you can check out. It also feels a little bit like, oh, you're playing with my toys? Because I find all things moon-related really interesting. So when you just hit people start shining a light on it, it's just like, yeah, but this is my thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, through hipster style, are like the moon before it was popular. Absolutely. And you, yes. you're like, and also I know like, uh, you know, Jovian moons. And I know what Jovian means. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, did, go on then, name three Saturnian moons. Uh, screw you, you can't. <laughs> Is that, that's basically your life. I'm pretty sure I've had that exact conversation <laughs> multiple times. I think that, that was our trips to the pub when we thought of the Moon podcast. So this isn't, this isn't our first rodeo. We did have some trial shows. And I remember doing one just like, all right, name three, three moons. And I, I came to the shocking realisation that people really do not know. Yeah, you were generally surprised that the test audience didn't know like any moon apart from the moon. Which is something I take for granted. Yeah, that's it. I, well, I knew Demos and Phobos yeah. around Mars because they were in Doom. Okay. <laughs> 1919's classic first-person shooter game. That's how I know. That's fair. Do you know of Titan? Well, I do, just because you told me it. <laughs> in, the, in the pilot podcast. One of, I like that on the pilot podcast, one of the episodes was on Titan or something, and then people still didn't name that moon. Yes. Even though they'd had like an hour on Titan. Can you name any moons? It's like, no. No, we can't. <laughs> well, that was a sobering realisation. Yeah. You'll notice we got rid of the audience for this one. Well, we're hoping to do live shows. Yeah. Given the feedback from this podcast, we'll see how that goes. Speaking of uh, going to the moon, what, what can they expect to find that was left for them? A flag. They'll definitely find a flag. An American flag. Uh, there's a rover. There is a rover. Um, this is like a weird sort of <laughs> conveyor belt game. From the <laughs> <laughs> what can you remember? Uh, footprints. There are footprints on the moon. And there there's, are. There's no wind, so they will remain there for a long time. They will. Um, and uh, is there a lander? There is. There'll be the base of the Eagle Lander, oh, yeah. which is now going to be a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Oh, cool. cool. Or so UNESCO stopped... Moon Heritage yeah, Site. Yeah. It stops kids going up to it and, like, <laughs> spray painting it. Tagging penises all yeah, over it. it. It's just like, okay, well... What are you doing, UNESCO, about it? It's not like a National Trust property where you sort of protect it and preserve it, put a tea shop near it and... Charge for parking. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. They don't... Tell you what, free parking near the lander yeah. site if you can get there. Yeah. No, to be, yeah, to be fair, if you can get to that lander, you can kick it. That's what I'd say. But <laughs> <laughs> you can spray paint it. You know, why not? Um, um, but what else did they leave um, on the moon? Or what else will they find when they go back? Oh, I read this. About 98 poo bags. 98? Higher or lower? Oh, right. Is that, have I got it wrong? 97? 96. You can't just keep going down. There are... Do, 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 96 bags of poo, urine and vomit that have been left from the missions. <laughs> I, did, I assume this was kind of produced on the way. 
as opposed to Houston, just sort of said, oh, uh, toilet's broken. Can you take, <laughs> just take these with you? Take out the x-ray machine, take yeah. out the defibrillator. Don't need that. Extra oxygen, leave it. Just, uh, we got these poo bags, Neil, if you can just drop them off. Uh, yes, they're from the mission up, and they'll also be when they're actually on the moon itself. Because, uh, and I think that's obviously for sanitary reasons as well, because if there was like a leak, or if they did happen to explode in zero gravity, like as in the bags to explode in zero gravity, it would cause a massive health hazard. Rather than it just being disgusting, I don't think you could actually do your job properly with that stuff flying about. I won't challenge you on that. I assume if someone <laughs> threw vomit, feces, and urine around my office, uh, it would probably change our work conditions. Uh, Not I... much, obviously, but <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel gross talking about this, so I'm going to talk about other things that were left uh, on the moon. Yeah, I was going to say, because it, it, it ended up being this big shopping list of stuff they left. Yeah, like a javelin lobbed by Edgar Mitchell, who was... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which I quite like. I would love to throw something on the moon because, as like not a very sporty person, I'd throw something as far as I as think I could throw it. It always falls a lot shorter. Oh, was that the idea? I just read it like he took a javelin up. You know, like Desert Island Disc, you're allowed one object, and he's, oh, I'm really into javelin. I'll just, I'll just take a javelin up. I suppose with the zero, were they testing like zero gravity? Actually, I don't think it was a javelin. I think it was a metal rod described by NASA as a javelin. Okay. But still, but, <laughs> so the point remains. But someone talk of golf clubs, golf clubs and two golf balls that Alan Shepard hit for miles and miles. Uh, was that like one shot though? I think so. You yeah. didn't like hit it and then go and chase after it. Hit <laughs> <laughs> it again, going. This freaking hole is miles away. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the course map. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst par three I've been on. Just getting it into the Tycho crater. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really, really big, but really far away. It's hard yeah. to get in. Everywhere's a bunker. Ugh, I hate this course. <laughs> um, I like the idea of them discovering falcon feathers and hammers, though, from that infamous image of... Oh, yeah. uh, not image, the footage of them dropping the hammer and the feather at the same time. Yeah. Which is quite cool. This is, yeah. What, do you want to explain the background to that? Oh, that's to um, demonstrate, yeah, Galileo's theory that in the absence of air resistance, different objects will fall at the same rate. Yeah, and he, so he said a hammer and a feather would fall, yeah. and people didn't believe him. Well, it's very hard to prove because you can't actually do it in a vacuum. Well, at the time, he couldn't do it in a vacuum, yeah. take all the air out. So this is actually proving it in an environment with little to no oxygen, with, with no atmosphere, so therefore no air resistance. I have two points that I want to bring up, actually. Fun fact about the flag, the American flag, it'll be pure white. Will it? What, now? Yeah. Have they surrendered? <laughs> they have not surrendered. Um, it's pure white because it'll have been bombarded by solar radiation. All these charged particles coming from the sun will interact. I think ionizing is the term. They'll basically just decolorize it over time. Uh, like like how, you know, you walk past charity shops that have had the same books in the front window <laughs> and they all just look decolorised. Yeah. Um, it happens a lot more on the moon because it's got no atmosphere as we have some atmosphere to bounce back some of the solar radiation. Not all, but most of it. But yeah, it's going to be completely uh, well, white. Yeah, I did think it was a bit was it jingoistic. To, the moon is now ours. Yeah. It's like, um, put a United Nations flag or something. Like oh, well, it's now no one's. Yeah. The moon is its own thing. Well, no one owns the moon. No, no one We've does. We've had this conversation before because there we are have. websites that say, so, I buy a bit of the moon. <laughs> it's like, they're true, Andy. You can't just set up a website. That'll be a good topic for a future one. Yeah, just talk about it. It won't set you off on that. 
Another question for you. What else will they discover that is not American? Oh, uh, um, did Russia? Russia's crashed some stuff into the moon, yes, haven't they? Yes, deliberately. Yeah, so like dogs. The... They did not throw dogs on the moon. <laughs> it sounds like a Russian thing to do. They put dogs into space. They did not lob dogs at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining a drunk Russian man throwing dogs at the moon. <laughs> I am Russian space mission. Dogs keep falling. We do not need this Sputnik. I do it myself. <laughs> Come here, dog. <laughs> oh, no, Donny, it just hit Moscow Tower. Um, but yes, there'll be lots of impactors. That's what they're called from the lunar missions, L-U-N-A. So there, there will be a lot of crashed parts from impactors and soft landers as well. So they'll deliberately uh, drop stuff onto the moon, but mostly for the achievement of, to prove that they got to the moon, to actually say, we made it to the moon. We, we had the capacity to put a ship up into space to actually navigate it, to do all the maths, do all the science and put something on the moon, which is a huge feat. Yeah. No, I, I was um, quickly doing my homework like you said this morning and looking at how the moon works and moonshots and it's kind of forgotten that the, the first thing in the space race was just to land a thing on the moon yeah just hit the moon that, that'll do <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah it's, look, we're just trying to hit it I, um, <laughs> and then and then they got stuff back and it was like oh, okay cool yeah, yeah. So and then so neil and whoever else was on the mission um but it's mainly neil we remember it is good old neil why neil it was neil armstrong Buzz Aldrin and And Phil Collins. Um, (laughs) Who was in the air tonight. (laughs) (laughs) With a gorilla on drums. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that, that, as soon as the the sort of first man went on the moon, all those intermediary steps seemed to have been forgotten, apart from Wikipedia that remembered each one of them, which I thought, oh, that's quite cool. The general public only remembers that America got to the moon first, but in my eyes, Russia won the space race. Controversial. Um, first satellite in orbit, first man in space, first civilian in space. They did the first spacewalk. They got to the moon first in terms of an impactor. They did. They were the firsts for the entire run of it. Yeah, but they missed the last bit. <laughs> I think that's a, no. Genuinely, that's the topic for. Well, that's, th- that's an ongoing series that I do, yeah. uh, To the Moon, which yeah. it documents the space race. And I, I try to do it in a tit-for-tat yeah. kind of way of, like, Russia did this, America's response was this, Russia did that, then the response between the two. Yeah, but as in, why, why was it America caught up or overtook? Well, everyone was rushing to get there like they are now. Yeah. Uh, and there were lots of setbacks. People died in the missions on the way. And Apollo 1, that was meant to take men around the moon, I believe, but that exploded on on the ground. And Russia, they had the technical capacity, it was, they just couldn't put the pieces together. Uh, but I think it was just, America just managed to catch up. I think that that's it in a nutshell. Well, it might, I think there's an episode there. Andy's in-depth analysis of why Russia won the space race. Yes, I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk about that. We know that America has gone to the moon. We know that Russia has put stuff on the moon. Who else has gone to the moon or going to the moon? Ah, I know this one. Uh, China, is it? Put a, um, a, a beam on the moon. Yeah, they've, they've put several landers on the moon. So, oh, right. uh, but yes, they, they tried to grow beans and it failed. <laughs> okay. I think it was a cotton plant, actually. They tried to grow something and it died. Oh, dear. But it also wasn't planting it in the moon surface. It was sat in the actual capsule. 
Right, okay, that's, so it took its own greenhouse. Yeah, essentially, which is cheating. That, that is cheating, uh, and it died. That's about as good as I am at houseplants, <laughs> let's be honest. Israel threw something up at the moon. They did, uh, the Barashat missions. Uh, they, that was meant to be a soft lander, but it turned into an impactor, an accidental impactor. <laughs> it's very euphemistic. <laughs> uh, who else? Not Britain. No, Britain is part of ESA, so the ESA have got sent up like lunar reconnaissance orbiters, and so they've got orbiters going around the moon. Uh, but more importantly, who is currently in the process of going to the moon? Uh, saying India is going to the moon. It is India. India has also been to the moon, I should point out. Oh, all of them? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yes, India has already put a lander on the moon. Actually, maybe not a lander, but they've impacted the moon a few times. This time, it's a much more ambitious mission. This sh this one is called yeah, Chundrayaan 2. So Chundrayaan 1, I think, was a simple impactor, but this one is going to be far more ambitious. Um, and it's going to have an orbiter, a lander, and a rover. Oh, cool. Unmanned, did you say? Yes, this will be an unmanned mission. And it's, it's currently in the process. They, they launched last week. It's currently orbiting the Earth, getting further and further out of orbit, just because it didn't have enough thrust and enough capacity to have just a direct translunar injection which means going from earth to moon in just one straight line because that requires a lot of fuel so they're using the slingshot method of just getting wider and wider orbits from earth and then sling using the gravity of earth to slingshot it out to the moon where it'll get captured in the moon's orbit and slowly uh, descend to the surface but what this craft is going to do, it's going to have an orbiter and then it's going to send down a lander, which has a little rover on it, which is quite cute. Aww. Yes, so the lander is called Vikram and that's carrying the rover. And the rover is going to actually do some analysis on the lunar soil. So it'll do like some, like it's a little gardening robot that will do some digging into the soil. <laughs> yeah, it's like Wally. -E. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably about the same weight as Wally -E because it's 27 kilograms. It's called uh, Pragyan. I think that's pronounced correctly, Pragyam, and it's, it can only go about 500 meters from the lander, otherwise it just loses signal. It, it's got a little radius to it, and it can only last two weeks. It's got two weeks worth of battery. But in that time, it's gonna fire stuff back up to the orbiter, which is gonna be orbiting the moon, taking photos of the surface, and then relaying the data back to Earth. Oh, cool. When you say fire stuff, is that like physically fire yeah, stuff or signals? Air signals, so this isn't a return mission, but this, is the next step. So that so they did the impactor first. This is the soft landing. What they'll do after this is probably a return mission. So they'll probably gather up some soil samples and actually return them to Earth. Very much like the Japanese mission to the asteroid at the moment. Oh, I don't know about that one. Oh, the JAXA missions. It's really, really cool. So they had a two-part satellite. They sent down a little lander and it fired a bullet to get some soil, it's collected the soil, and this has actually gone back up to, it's gone from the asteroid up to its mothership, and now it's heading back to Earth. Oh, cool. That's the <laughs> least efficient way to get a gravel. A gravel <laughs> thing, so. Have they not heard of the garden yeah, centre? Yeah. Look down being cute, come on. <laughs> how, much, how much have they got? Oh, it'll be grams. Oh, like, it'll be a tiny amount. That's like cocaine. Yeah, it's yeah. just like the street value of grams is <laughs> massive. How much did it cost you to get that dust? Quite a lot. You don't want to be the scientist who pulls it out of the capsule and it lands and then sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> Sneezes it and it just goes into the potted plant in the lab. Oh, <laughs> But hopefully we'll be able to give, uh, in the next podcast, we'll be able to say if the mission was a success because in five days it's going to head to 
the moon and then it'll start actually descending to the surface uh, within the next few weeks. Oh, cool. So hopefully we'll have something to talk about in terms of uh, yeah. a mission update, which I'm like, I'm legitimately yeah. excited about this. I think this is a really, really good mission. And it's it, the mission itself was really cheap. It cost $116 million. <laughs> That's quite expensive in the grand scheme of it, but probably, yeah. As space missions go, space that sounds missions. quite cheap. That that is cheap. That Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler film, cost eighty million. <laughs> okay. So, in the grand scheme of things, it might not be that much, but one hundred and sixteen million on a space mission that's actually going to the moon is peanuts. That is pretty good, actually, because wouldn't NASA spend like one hundred and sixteen million on researching the best? tofu to feed the astronaut or something. I think they'd spend a bit less, but for, for example, I think to get a commercial satellite up in orbit, so if you're a telecoms company and you want a new satellite up, you go to NASA and they'll put it on one of their rockets. And I think that's in the remit of about 40 million, 40 million. And that's only just a, a tried and tested poxy mission to space. Yeah. Like, that's their bread and butter. This is India's space program taking leaps and bounds forward yeah, in innovation. It's, it's amazing. How have they saved that money? Let's not look into the, the labour laws, okay. which are a bit lax. <laughs> right. But they'll also... <laughs> you say that. <laughs> I... Oh, yeah, it's unmanned, apart from the few men in there that are pedaling, pedaling on a bike. <laughs> I, I actually don't know why it's so cheap. I think it might be just due to their uh, economy. Be, and just like cost of living over there being quite yeah. cheap. So this might be very expensive in terms of Indian rupees and cost of living over there because India is rife with poverty, unfortunately. But if they can charge 116 million to go to the moon, I reckon NASA should be getting in contact with them pretty soon yeah. to actually have to outsource some of it. Yeah, that'd be good. As is, as is very typical of American companies, outsource it to yeah. another country to do it for that's you it. for peanuts. Yeah, that's it. Just take our flag with you. But no, it reminds me of a story because I used to work at a company that remained unnamed um, that had a sort of space department and would launch satellites for you. And probably, you know, it would cost umpteen million, probably about, say, 40 million, as you said. Um, and then a rival satellite company launched, but they would do things a bit cheaper. Yeah. And the idea is they'll just charge you 10 million for it, but they'll kind of, if it fails, they'll just launch another one. And so, <laughs> and so uh, you know, the amount of testing you put in to make sure it never, ever fails, actually, if you just do it probably good enough and it'll fail, but you can just spend that money again and again. Yeah. It's actually cheaper. That was their sort of, so it's, not it's, motto, but their mentality. So it was, yeah, it, it, satellites were dead cheap in comparison. It's the Primark model. Yeah. That's it. You can spend 20 quid on a really nice looking shirt or go to Primark and get five for the same price and they look virtually identical. Yeah, that's it. It was, it was that sort of thing. Instead of like putting, uh, they, they had to take pictures of Earth for say a month. Yeah. Or something. So instead of putting a sort of space approved camera, which had been through all the radiation testing on it, mm. the cheapo company just bought a webcam <laughs> and, just, and just sort of taped it on. This is what I was told. They sort of just tape it on. And then they just launch it and say, oh, it worked, brilliant. Uh, however, the tape, the glue on the tape in, the, uh, in space, basically because of the radiation and all sorts of forces yeah. and, and the vacuum, it just sort of disintegrated the glue. But the tape 
still held it in place, but they could see on the camera that as it, it that it was sort of spiralling out. So it was gradually coming undone because uh, you've got your centrifugal forces or whatever because there's a because yeah. it's going round. So the tape, the momentum of the tape gradually was coming undone, um, and they could see it on the webcam. But it, they, someone did a calculation based on how many times did we. Put that tape around that camera. It was like, yeah, Four? yeah, it's probably about yeah, ten. I don't know. <laughs> right, and it's 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 coming at a loose at this angle, but right, it will survive the month. We we are compliant, <laughs> you know, and yeah. <laughs> pay us, you know. <laughs> that, that's what I was told. Whether it's true, I don't know. But um, yeah, that that's that, that's really interesting. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> someone said from our company, it's like if we one we wouldn't tape a camera. But if we were to tape a camera on it, we would do like £100 million worth of research into what tape to use. It's, it's gaffer tape. Everyone yeah, knows well it's that, gaffer tape. It, yeah. uh, how old is the moon? Oh, um, a million years. <laughs> Not old. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember where the Big Bang was. Not where it was, sorry. The Big, big Bang was 13.6 billion years ago. Okay. Uh, it was after that. It was. And I'm reckoning the moon's been around for a while. Uh, yes, it has. Uh, it must have been since after Earth was kicking about. Yes. I can't remember how old Earth is. Uh, old. Right. <laughs> Between Earth and, and about a thousand years ago. Uh, yeah, well, the moon is still there. And it's older than a thousand years. Here's a clue. The solar system was formed 4.56 billion years ago. Okay, so it must be uh, 4.5453.52. 4, the, the moon was formed 50 million years after the solar system formed. Originally, it was thought it was 150 million years. And a recent <laughs> study uh, has, found that, has found that the moon is actually 100 million years older than it actually it was initially thought. 100 million years off. Yeah. Right. Point. Yeah, I'm bad at estimating ages of people. You know, people you say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you kind of look uh, 50, so are oh, you? Yeah. I'm 32. How old are you? 52? So about 100 million and 52. Oh, sorry. But 100 million in terms of billions is 0.1 billion. So it's being 0.1 out. Okay, I suppose so. So I'm actually 32 and a half. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the equivalent of, oh, you look 32 and a half. It's, oh, no, I'm 32 and six months, three days. Okay, so genuinely, I am impressed that scientists can work out that thing. You know, in, in the same way, you can't look at someone and say, you know, you were born this many days ago. Um, they've, a, kind, they've kind of done that to the moon. There is actually something that you can do um, by looking at a moon and being able to know how old it is up to a limit. So it's called crater dating. <laughs> I, that might not be the correct term, but yeah. it's... That sounds like a niche website that you don't dating. want to go to. Oh, no, no. That's it. Speed crater dating. Just a meteor shower. Yeah. Uh, crater dating. It's when you look at... You look at a moon's surface, and then if you don't see many craters, that means it's a relatively young moon because the surface will be either geologically active, meaning it's recently formed or formed sooner than other moons. And if it has lots of craters, then that means it's been around for a while. So there is a term called saturation equilibrium or crater satur saturation. And it's when the surface of an object in space, so a dwarf planet or a moon, 
is so covered in craters that other craters start to overwrite it. So they're overwriting the history of it. And the moon hasn't got to that point yet, but other other moons in the solar system have this issue. Callisto, for example, has the oldest surface of any moon in the solar system, Callisto being part of the Jovian system. Uh, yeah, I know what that means now. It's one of the Galilean moons. I don't know what that means. One of the four moons discovered by Galileo okay. around okay. Jupiter. Right. <laughs> Put that in your copybooks now. That... <laughs> uh, but yeah, crater saturation is when there's so many craters on the surface, a new impact overwrites the craters that were there. So it's kind of like overwriting history in a way. So you can tell how old a surface is, and if it's crater saturated, then you know it's older than a certain point, but you don't know how old exactly. Yeah. But you could take a good guess with science now and you can like look at the surface, look at what materials are on there, do some spectroscopy on it and you'd be able to get a lot back and you could probably date it that way. So, yeah, you, you say you're overwriting history, mm -hmm. but the lunar lander is now a protected site. So what happens if a an asteroid hits it? If an asteroid hits it, that's, that's terrible. It should be sent to prison. The, the asteroid, yes. the, well, the asteroid, in my view, if you can get it, because the asteroid will explode upon impact. The, the odds of an asteroid hitting the Apollo mission is pretty slim, <laughs> especially considering um, I think it's on the Earth facing side. Right, so it'd have to be fired from Earth. Well, it... So, what would you pesky teens with your <laughs> asteroid cannon. It would have to be like a Bend It Like Beckham moment where the asteroid comes between Earth and Moon and then curves and just smacks into the surface. That would be epic. It would be epic. I think, yeah, I think there should be, a, you know, yeah, UNESCO should say, all right, if you can do that, you're allowed <laughs> to hit the Moon lander. You're allowed to kick the Moon lander. Yeah, yeah. Going back up, back to the topic of how old is the Moon, the Moon... Uh, the moon is 4.51 billion years old, and <laughs> uh, Richard's laughing yeah. because I got it wrong, said it again with the correct version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the premise of the article is that uh, people have got it wrong. They've always been saying it's, you know, 4.51 billion years. No, you got it right, didn't you? No, I said 4.56, Okay. which is the age of the solar system. Oh, right. e either way. Yeah. Uh, the reason why they are able to make this discovery or recalculation or update the age of the moon is because they were looking at the rocks brought back from the Apollo missions, the lunar samples, and they looked at the elements within them, the chemical composition of these samples. Well, they looked at one isotope in particular, and this is tungsten-182, which decayed from an element called hafnium. So hafnium-182 decays into tungsten-182. The hafnium-182 decays for the first 70 million years of the solar system because the sun will have made hafnium, kicked it out to the solar system, so all the planets that accreted out of the, the disk of dust that was orbiting this very young sun will have all sorts of elements, some of which will have decayed by now. Uh, some are still around, but most, most decayed. This particular one, hafnium-182, all decayed away in the 70 million years, the first 70 million years of the solar system and decayed into uh, the tungsten. So they looked at how much tungsten was in the, in the lunar samples and they were able to reverse engineer, kind of calculate backwards like, oh, there's this much, therefore this rock is this old. And looking at what the current estimations of the lunar age is, they were able to say, oh, it's wrong. It's out by 0.1, of 0.1 billion years or 100 million years. So being able to look at these chemical compositions of the actual samples brought back 
gives us a much better idea of how old the moon is and more importantly helps us with Earth's geological history as well as the, lo- the moon's geological history as well. Oh, cool. When you say they worked it out, who's they in this? Basically, the University of Cologne did this study, and they also did some experiments in the lab as well. So what you'll do is you'll just get a rock and you'll put some kind of spectros- spec- spectroscope? Mass spectrometer? Yeah, mass spectrom... That what I can't say that word. <laughs> right. <laughs> say it again. Mass spectrometer. That's what they did in the lab and compared it with the lunar samples as well. So they were able to determine that the moon is a hundred years older than we thought it was. How many birthdays has it missed? A hundred million. Oh, yeah, a hundred million. Oh, all those presents. We say a year is how long it takes for the Earth to go around the sun. Would a moon year be... Oh, it's when, even worse. When it completes yeah. one orbit around the Earth. Or when it completes an orbit around... So it's lost like 12 times our year. 12 million birthdays. Ah. 1.2 billion birthdays. <laughs> ah. Poor moon. That's a hell of a gift card it's getting <laughs> in lieu. The M&S gift limit is £100, so I got all of them. I got M&S for you. <laughs> you now own a middle-class food shop and clothing retail outlet. You could say that this isn't just a moon. <laughs> this is an M&S moon. So we've had lots of uh, local moon news uh, about our local moon. Uh, what about any foreign moon news? Foreign meaning non-Earth moons. Non-Earth, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I did find some interesting stuff about Io recently. Io being another Jovian moon. Uh-huh. Um, well, of course, Jovian means it goes around Jupiter. Yes, well, well remembered. I think you'll find it may or may not be one of the Ganylean moons. Uh, you are correct again. That's cool. I was going to say it's the only moons that the Teletubbies pr- can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> if they can say Tubby Toast, I'm pretty sure they can say Ganymede. Yeah. But yes, Io. <laughs> I think it's the smallest of the Galilean moons, and it is also probably the most interesting, or at least the most exciting one to talk about, because it's just a ball of volcanoes. It is The surface is very geologically active, and that's because... Io is between Jupiter and the other Galilean moons, and they share the same orbital plane. So what will happen is you'll have Jupiter pulling it, pulling on one side of the moon all the time, but then as another moon goes behind it, it kind of like eclipses it. Then you get some mass pulling gravity on the other side. So it's kind of like um, like like a bit like an accordion so much. And if you get a stress ball and you squeeze it for ages, it heats up because you've got a lot of friction in there. And that's exactly what's happening on Io. It's getting stretched, pulled backwards and forwards by the gravity of Jupiter and the other moons in the in the Jovian system. So it's just constantly, the, the interior is always hot, always liquid rock. So it's just constantly erupting all over the surface. So a recent study, which has been looking at Io for the last five years, and some of the data they've collected is quite interesting because it doesn't match with what they've theoretically predicted it should do. And it seems that the brightest eruptions as in the ones with the most heat and the most violence to them occur only on one side of the moon or one of the hemispheres of the moon, which is known as the leading face, which is direction of travel of the moon. And then you've got the trailing face, which is the other side of the moon behind it. And it turns out that the brightest eruptions happen on the leading face, but there's no difference in the number of eruptions 
on the leading and trailing faces. So it's the same amount of eruptions, but the brighter ones always happen on the leading one. Uh, Do they know why that is? Nope. Uh, they, they can make some guesses. Cool. Uh, I, I think it probably... Actually, no, I can't make an educated guess because I, I haven't sat down and thought about it properly. <laughs> and it's not like obvious in that the ones on the leading face are facing the sun. So they're a bit brighter. Oh no, well it doesn't matter what's... Uh, it might be facing the sun at some times, but also when it goes around the other side of the moon, the trailing face would be... So the leading face means direction of travel. So I don't... I think the sun is so far away from Io, it's not going to have much of an impact on its surface in terms of gravitational pull and effect. But it, this, this is quite interesting in that we have these theoretical models, but when you actually look at how they work, it, they don't match up, which... It just makes you want to go there and actually, <laughs> and actually, and actually figure out what is going on here. So go to the volcano planet. Well, moon. It, well, that's a bit desperate. <laughs> I, I appreciate you on science, but yeah. So is it literally just all volcanoes, uh, or well, is there a bit where you could say pitch a tent and oh, not yes. die? Yes, but the surface is full of sulfur, so you probably die. Okay. And it's very warm. How warm? So it's minus 130 Celsius, so you'll freeze. That's not very warm. But on the volcanoes, they get to 1,600 degrees <laughs> C. <laughs> You've got to pitch your tent like right in the... There, there is a zone somewhere between the plus 1,000, I'm pretty plus sure. 1,600, and the minus 130. Yeah. Take, take a caravan. That's a bit more sort of insulating. Well, this is the thing, if there's volcanoes, there's eruptions, and the eruptions change the surface, which could lead to earthquakes as well. Okay. Probably why there's no campsites then on Probably. Io. Probably. There's, um, there's actual photo, lots of photos of Io taken from space, and they put an orbiter around it. I think this was the Galileo mission, and it took a photo of the surface, and then it went around the moon, and when it came back, there had been an eruption. So you could see it before and after. And this eruption is massive. It takes up like most of the surface of the planet. Uh, let me find, let me show you the photo. So yeah, that's a before and after. Oh, cool. So you can see like parts have just been blown up. So if you're like on the council, local planning permission council for IO, you'd probably just say build where you want because it'll just be destroyed anyway. Yeah, well, our, our, like our council buildings. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know why we insist on meeting here yeah. on Io. There's plenty of other safer moons that we could be on instead. <laughs> like Metis. We could go to Metis instead. Metis? Is that, that... That's not a Galilean moon, but it is a Jovian moon. Oh, okay. It's Metis is potentially a shepherd moon. It's... What's a shepherd moon, Andy? A shepherd moon... What are you going to say, go and watch your video on shepherd moons? I'll include it in the show notes. Cool. Uh, shepherd moon shepherds dust into a ring. So Jupiter has a very thin ring, and it's thought that Metis is a shepherd moon for the very small ring of Jupiter. Metis also sounds like meat does, which is a good place to have a meeting. So it's as though they've branded themselves as a, the alternative place for council meetings. It all just ties together so perfectly. Yeah, fact. This is how conspiracy theories start. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing my research this morning, as you said, and I was looking at um, flat earthers. Uh, and they, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah. But went to, um, like, they went to a flat earth conference and uh, 
they went up to someone and said, so how do you know that the earth is flat? Yeah. You know, how much research have you done? And they said, well, I've watched 50, about 50 hours of YouTube videos. And I thought, was that it? <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you do know there are like, you know, physics courses and degree <laughs> courses. There, there are people that have genuinely like done four years degrees, then done a master's, then done like a three year PhD. Things that are way more advanced than just, is the earth round? Yes. And, you, and you've watched 50 <laughs> hours worth of videos. It's like, do you, do you realise how long science takes yeah. to learn and perfect? And well, So by that logic, I'm, I'm, I'm billing myself uh, as a cat with a hat on a skateboard <laughs> expert. Because uh, I've seen 50 hours or more of cats wearing hats on skateboards. So um, I expect the World Millinery Association to contact me. <laughs> Uh, that and the X Games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to the Flat Earthers, I did read about a Flat Earth meeting that was held in a pub called The Globe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they did that deliberately or were just completely clueless. It's, uh, it's still funny, though. Uh, but talking about nonsense... Let's talk about astrology for a bit. <laughs> Yay. So, do you know what's coming up? Um, is it the moon is in Neptune and Sagittarius has gone uh, into Pluto? Sagittarius has not gone into Pluto. I'm, I'm talking about a particular moon that is coming up. Oh, is it, oh, is it one of those blue moon harvest honeymoon things? Uh, not quite. It is a black supermoon. Oh, okay, right. What's that? Well, first off, let me say, do you know what a new moon is? Uh, is it the first moon after a non moon? Yeah. So what's the opposite of a full moon? A non-moon? That's a new moon. Is that a new moon? That is oh, a new right, moon. Okay. So a new moon is opposite a full moon. It's just a big black... You can, you can see it at night. It's just like a black disc in the sky. So a black moon is when the moon... It's the second new moon in a month because we just had July. Oh, right, yeah. So it happened in America, why it's a black supermoon over there, because it happened in July, it was the second new moon, second new moon in a month of July. For us here in the UK, we're gonna see this new moon today, uh, or, no, wait, it happened yesterday. Well, we missed it. <laughs> For us in the UK- but it's not in the same month. No, so we're, we're not getting a black supermoon, but America is getting a black supermoon. So it, a black, so a blue moon is when you get two full moons in a month. Yep. The second one is the blue moon. So this is two new, new moons, moons in a in month, a, in a and month. this is the set. So it's, it's the opposite of a blue moon. Yeah. It's a black moon. Um, but so the phrase "once in a black moon" is equally as infrequent as "once in a blue moon." It is. Well, but yeah, by laws of averages and yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Okay. Uh, but blue moon. Nice rhymes and it sounds a little bit better. But it's also going to be a supermoon. Do you know what supermoon is? Um, better than a mediocre moon. Uh, yes, it is. Right. Uh, do I know what a supermoon is? Is it like... No, no, I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did look at the Wikipedia article of learning what a flipping lion moon and a rat moon and a cricket bat moon and an azure moon is. Oh, God, flipping... It's just the moon. It is, it is. Uh, a a supermoon is when the moon is closest to us because the moon has an average distance of 384,000 kilometers but it, that orbit is slightly elliptical which means it has an apogee and a perigee which is 
the perigee being the closest and the apogee being the furthest. So at, it, at its closest, the moon is 362,000 kilometers uh, away from us. And at the furthest point, the apogee, it is 405,000 kilometers. So there is quite a difference between them. And a supermoon is when the moon is at its closest point of the elliptical orbit. And some supermoons are gonna be bigger than others. So the, big, the biggest one that happened recently was on the was in November 2016, and that's the closest the full moon has been to Earth since 1948. Very cool. So yeah, it was quite significant, and I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be that close to Earth again until 2034. Oh yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what the opposite of a supermoon is? Inferior moon, substandard moon, well, bad moon, <laughs> adequate moon, <laughs> evil moon. Yeah. Oh, Lex Luthor Moon. Yeah, what's... What's, <laughs> what's superscript, subscript, submoon? It's not. It's a micromoon. Oh, okay. Which I think submoon works better, but yeah. no, it's, it's, it's a micromoon. So at a supermoon, the, Earth, the moon is 30% bigger. It appears 30% bigger in the sky. But at a micromoon, it's only 14% smaller. Oh, okay. So it's quite interesting. And that's just because of the distances. That's, that's perspective. Yes, exactly. Uh, but yes, we're having a black supermoon. Well, we're not in the UK, but America is. America, okay. And hopefully we're going to have some American listeners. Especially for our next point, which is local moon news. Local. We've talked about our local moon. Oh, this is even more local. This is even more local. So this was your wonderful idea. Oh yeah. No, I disown this. Because <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work in the pilot. <laughs> so we thought, oh, no, let's put it into the main show. It'll work definitely. Uh, local moon news is about places on Earth called moon. Because it turns out there's a few towns in America called moon. So we started looking into them. Some of them are tiny little gold rush towns that have, been, have since been abandoned. But others are delightful little hamlets, shall we say. Yeah, one of them had like, a, I don't know... One of them had an airport. Yeah, that was it. It was like a WWE wrestler there. Was it Kurt Angle or something? Yeah, Kurt, that like. was Pen Moon, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was like, oh, look, look, it'll be hilarious if we go and look at towns called Moon. And it kind of wasn't. It was, <laughs> well, it, it was for a bit. But then we discovered Moon, Wisconsin, which is essentially a road. Yeah, that, yeah was that the crossroads? That was the crossroads. <laughs> Moon, Wisconsin has, I think, zero people actually living there it just happens to be a crossroads and there's yeah. moon road <laughs> that was, yeah there's moon road and the other road was called zero or something. yeah just didn't have a name but moon wisconsin has probably a pilgrimage for us because it has doyle's moon saloon and in true local news story style we want to give keep you up to date with the ins and outs of this little community and so Doyle's Moon Saloon has a member of staff called Kathy. Uh, I don't know if she is the manager, if she is a chef, if she is a bar, a bar worker. <laughs> I don't know. She's a bar. <laughs> she just holds up the ceiling between nine and five, then Gary takes over. She's, she's a load-bearing Kathy. Yeah, <laughs> but Kathy. It's a small town is Moon. There aren't many jobs going about. So she is retiring from... Um, Doyle's Moon Saloon from, oh, no. from being a bar or load-bearing pillar. Uh, Tim is going to retire next month from being a skirting board. <laughs> In fact, the whole building was people and you never realised. They just kept very still. It's very surreal. 
But Kathy had a what what appears to be a delightful retirement party at Doyle's Moon Saloon, and I wish her all the best, as do they. And she's now able to spend a lot more time with her family and being able to spoil her grandchildren and great grandchildren. That's fantastic. It's quite sweet, That's isn't it? Uh, do you not feel uplifted by this local do, moon news? Yeah. Is this the um, the dog down a well type story that's been rescued? Yes. This is our exactly. equivalent. Okay, well, okay. This is our equivalent of. So please, please tune in next week. <laughs> I can't help but feel we're going to keep returning to Doyle's Moon Saloon. It, it's a gold mine. <laughs> right, okay. Whatever the Facebook status of the month was. They have some delightful status updates, and I, for one, am thrilled every time I see they post. Every every week or so. It's quite lovely. Tune in next month for like $2 off a cheeseburger or something. Exactly. Okay. So now that we're all up to date with the latest moon-related news, uh, local, foreign, (laughs) and right here on Earth, uh, shall we actually talk about what is a moon? Yeah, I was wondering. What, what is the definition of a moon? Well, unfortunately, there is no definition. Okay, great feature. So, <laughs> so the, the IAU, International Astronomical Union, have a definition for a planet, which was, sin- which was revised fairly recently. Well, I say recently. It was revised to discount Pluto as a planet. Because if they included Pluto as a planet, then they had to include a lot of other things as a planet, and it would just kind of get... <laughs> I like the way you said things, just like, yeah, that toast is now a planet. And things shoot. as in big astronomical bodies, such oh, as okay. Ceres and uh, Eris, for example, they would have to be counted as a planet. So it was easier to kick one member out of the club than start allowing everybody in. But when it comes to moons, the IAU doesn't really have a definition. A moon is a natural satellite, a body of rock that orbits a planet, or is caught in the orbit of another astronomical body. So, for example, Pluto, no longer a planet, Eris, a dwarf planet, they both have moons or moon systems, but there is also no lower limit for what a moon can be. So, a moon is something that orbits a planet. But does that mean all of the dust particles in Saturn's rings, are they moons? Where do you draw the line? And the IAU has not provided a line which can distinguish between moon and non-moon. It's interesting, but considering that telescopes are getting more and more powerful and we're discovering things that are basically the size of skyscrapers orbiting very, very distant planets, Do we class those as moons? Because there's going to be a lot of them the more we look. Jupiter has 79 moons. Yeah, so I'm guessing they just... Just call it quits. Just say, (laughs) if it haven't been found by now, they're not good enough. You could make that argument. The problem is, though, do you do it by size? Yes. You think... I I will say, do it by size. Uh, But then if you have a small... But then you have asteroids like Eda and Dactyl where Eda is a big satellite, or Ida is a big asteroid, um, and it's got this tiny, tiny little moon called Dactyl, which I think is only 70 kilometers across. Let me find out the size of Dactyl. Oh yeah, so Dactyl is 700 meters in radius, so it's just under a kilometer, a kilometer and a half across, but it still orbits an astronom- astronomical body. It's still a moon. So where do you draw the line? I think, personally, it should be relative size. 
So in this case, it's a smaller object than, say, Neptune, but the moon, in terms of relative size and mass, still counts it as a moon. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because that picture, it looks like a moon. <laughs> I, that, that's my... It looks like yeah, it. Yeah, that, that should be the definition. Just <laughs> send, send like me a picture, I'll tell you if it's a moon or not. Okay, remember before we talked about Metis, this is what... Yes, the planning permission moon. Yes, the pl- named after God of Committees. <laughs> so does that look like a moon? Uh, yeah. Why? Because it's, um, it's on a web page that claims it's a moon. But you, you just said, does it look like it? Oh, right, yeah. No. So that well, you've got to show me the big planet next to it. Uh, you can't see Metis when, and Jupiter in the same image because oh, right. they're, cause it's tiny. Yeah, then it's not a moon. It, it, well, Metis is because it's a shepherd moon. But yeah, yeah. I, can, th- can you have a romantic dinner on the planet whilst saying, look at the moon? Oh. And if you can't see that moon, then it's not a moon. That's just a- an annoying rock. So there should be like a romantic dinner test. That is actually a really good school of thought of... Can- <laughs> No, no, no. It's like it's a legitimate one of can you see the moon from the surface? And in the case of Jupiter, you wouldn't be able to see hardly any of them because they're so far out. Yeah. Uh, especially in the case of Uranus and Neptune, their the outer moons are so far out because there's nothing else there in space except these big gas giants that just bring in all these rogue asteroids. Yeah. So that that's the test. Admittedly, the on some of the, the yeah the romantic dinner test. Although I think. Isn't Jupiter just entirely storms? Yeah, you can't sit, you can't put a blanket down. <laughs> it's, it has a rock, it has a metal, liquid metal core, then a rocky exterior, and then terrifying storms for miles and miles and miles. So if you put a table down, it, had a romantic dinner set up, how long would it last? Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't get it to the surface. Uh, the storms would destroy you, the temperatures would be too high. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'll tick it off my list. Back to what is a moon. (laughs) One of the definitions that I think should be included or should be considered is does the barycentre of the parent planet live within the surface of the planet? Do you know what I mean by barycentre? I do because I watched a video you told me to. (laughs) But as the voice of conscience of the audience that probably hasn't watched the videos... I don't... What's a barycentre, Andy? It's the... It's the centre point of the gravitational system. So if you have two objects, one heavier than the other... Like the Earth and the Moon. Like the Earth and the Moon, for example. The Moon will go around the Earth uh, because the Earth is exerting all that gravitational pull on the Moon. However, the Moon still has a lot of weight and it will actually affect the Earth. So the centre of gravity of that Earth-Moon system isn't exactly in the centre of the Earth. It's off a little bit. So the Earth wobbles due to the pull of the moon. And that's the barycenter. The barycenter is the center of gravity for the system. It's like a hammer thrower. As the hammer thrower goes round yeah. the body. Yes, he, uh, he, his arms extend, he leans back because the weight is on the other end of it. Where's, yeah, where's the barycenter for us and the moon? So if you're looking at a bird, yeah, it's within the Earth. So it's well within our, the Earth's surface. But in the case of the Pluto system, where you have Pluto, Charon, Nix. Um, <laughs> You're just naming. No. Dave. Pluto, Pluto Charon, Nix, Styx. <laughs> Styx is definitely one, and I forget, forget the other two. Don't laugh. It's like it, the reindeer. 
if they were from a council estate. Or on Dasher, on, <laughs> on Sharon, on Dave, on Steve, on Tracy, on Stacy, um, Donna and Blitzen. <laughs> Gluttony and lust. <laughs> so, Pluto has five known moons, which are Sharon, Styx, Nix, Kerberos, and Hydra. Got it right. <laughs> Told you it was Styx. Named after the river Styx, because these yeah. are all related to underworlds. Anyway, the Pluto, Plutonian moon system, the barycenter, is actually outside of Pluto. Well outside of it. And so all the planets orbit that center of gravity. Oh, cool. If I show you a picture of Charon using your test, does that look like a moon? Uh, yeah. It does. And also, if you sat on, if you had your picnic date on Pluto, looked up, yeah. you'd see Charon oh, pretty okay. bloody clearly. All right. The Barry, Barry test is the, uh, the one you want then. Well, I think that should be included. As in, does the barycenter exist within the parent planet? There's many factors that need to be considered. And I think the more that we discover, the more moons we discover, the sooner we need a definition, a lower limit. Because when I was looking at a list of moons, the smallest one discovered, I don't even think should be a moon. I think it's what is known as a moonlet, which is when it's in the early stages of being formed into a moon, but at that point it could still disintegrate. And that moon is S2000, no, S2005, S1, I think. It's, sat, it's Saturn's smallest moon, but I don't think it's even a moon at this point. I think it's a moonlet. The guy that was na that names moons was on holiday that day, I guess. Well, the way you name a moon, this could be a topic for a whole other podcast. Yeah. That, that's going to be a recurring theme here, topic for a different podcast. Um, the way you name a moon is it's given a code... So, in this case, S2009, S1, S, the first S meaning satellite, the year, the 2009 being the year it was discovered, S referring to the planet, so that would be Saturn in this case, and 1 meaning it was the first moon discovered that year. So, in the Jupiter one, you'd have like S2005J2, S2005J7, there'd be lots of, uh, lots of codes for them. And the way it works is, it's up to the team that discovered the moon to submit a name to the IAU who then accept it. The name has to follow certain standards. So in the case of Jupiter, it has to be a lover or descendant of Zeus or Jupiter. And it has to be a unique name because there's lots of asteroids that share the names of Greek mythology. So you need to find one that's unique. And that's the hard part. There's so many of them. Uh, there's a nice little video about this that I put together. For oh, yeah. Enough. I will go and watch it again. Thank you. But this moon here, S2009 S1, it's 300 meters across, I believe. Yeah, 300 meters across, and that's that's it. It's that tiny thing there. 300 meters? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's rubbish. It's tiny, isn't Couldn't it? Couldn't even have a, like, a, a 400 it, meter race. I think it would fit in the docks, because we're, I think, like, as we're recording this in my flat, which is near some water, and the docks outside the, the window, that basin, yeah. would you call it a basin? Yeah. The moon would fit in the basin. Yeah, that's rubbish. <laughs> that's, that's not a moon, that's just, you know, a bit of concrete. But if, you take the, but if you take this and put it next to Eda, which had the moon that was 700 metres in radius, so less than a kilometre and a half, 
that's still a moon though, so it's all about relative size. But hopefully, well, this hasn't answered the question of what is a moon. This has basically added in muddied the water <laughs> immeasurably, hasn't it? We don't know. Well, we do know, but everyone has their own definitions. I like your picnic test and <laughs> I like your... Does, does it look like a moon? I think Barry test as well. That Take someone called it. Barry. You go on a date with Barry. The Barry picnic moon test. That's the one. Send it to the IAU. How many people work at the IAU? Naming know. stuff. I don't know. It can't be a full-time job. Do they just sit there and say, well, it's not nothing to name at the moment. Well, I just, you know, check BBC News again. Oh, bit oh. Of YouTube. Oh, no, no, it's not been discovered. No. <laughs> they just sit there and there's a sort of letter comes in. Oh, I'll get it, I'll get it, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's... Ego when the fax machine actually kicks <laughs> off and just a... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an organisation of less than 100 people, but more than a couple of dozen. I think they meet a couple of times a year to actually go to conferences and have these naming sections. And I don't think it's a full-time job. So, you know, okay. Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah. He was on the committee that discredited Pluto as a planet. So he, I think he's a member of the IAU, but he does other things as well. Right. So it, it, it's kind of like being a member of the Rotary Club, but for space. Yeah. Oh, cool. They go around in a Santa sleigh at Christmas. <laughs> go on, folks, give you some money. They're Name right. this planet. They're responsible for putting tinsel on the International Space Station. Yeah. And the float comes around just like, everybody out the house now, yeah. come on, quick. The ISS is overhead. Quick. Actually, do you have any LED, LED lights in your house? Uh, yes, yeah, I do. You can set, get an app and it will let them turn a certain colour when the ISS is directly over your house. Oh, cool. So there's a nice little <laughs> feature you can... Um, I'll include that link in the show notes for how to configure that. But I, I thought that was quite, quite a nice little feature. It's worth pointing out these LED lights have sat on my kitchen for like two years. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, it was like some cheap LED lights that I got for like five quid. And I thought, oh, I could put them on the, like, the chicken coop and give the chickens some LED lights, that'll be funny. And yeah. they're solar powered. But I've never got around to putting them up. I think so. this, is, this is very typical of absolutely any gadget that anyone gets. Yeah. They'll be like, this'll change my life, or this'll be a nice thing to do, and it sits in the box, yeah. waiting for a Saturday to come along <laughs> where you actually have the time to do it. But I like the idea of the, actually, yeah, putting them up on a chicken coop, which seems a bit pointless anyway, and I'm gonna make it even more pointless by it shining when the International Space Station is overhead. I think they go rainbow colour. Right. So it's like a rainbow tinted, it goes through all the colours when the ISS is overhead. So yeah. startle the chickens for a little bit. Yeah, well, I'd, uh, they'll get used to it, but it's, I'll tell visitors that the chickens know just naturally when the ISS <laughs> is going overhead and they, they change it. I'd love to hear what pseudoscience you make up for it. <laughs> oh yes, the gravitational pull exerted on the chickens, yeah. then they, they're very sensitive to gravity. You should yeah. see it when the moon's overhead, they go nuts. Yeah, uh, people believe it. Because like, there's dogs and fish and stuff that can detect earthquakes. Yes. So yeah, chickens detecting space stations, yeah. Cows align themselves with the Earth ma Earth's magnetic field. Do they? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Cow but, they, they, but you look in a field and cows are all Aligned with the magnetic fields. Do they all point north? North or south, yeah. I think they point north as a majority, but you look at like satellite images and the cows are all aligned with the Earth's magnetic <laughs> field. I didn't know that. I'll have a look. 
So that's things to, to, to look up. And shall we give the listeners a thing to come back to next time? Yes. Why should I listen to this again, Andy? Uh, well, next time we're going to be talking about everything wrong with the classic James Bond film Moonraker. Ah, oh, fantastic. Is that including the sexism, general lack of uh, plot? Yes. Right. <laughs> I, I also think it, it's a great Bond film uh, in terms of that it was the last great bonkers Bond film before they started to take it a bit seriously after that. Yes. But this is for the discussion, which will be <laughs> next podcast. Uh, thank you for listening and see you next time. I'm Andy and I'm still Rick. Cheers. Bye. Hello listeners, if you can hear this, Andy hasn't cut it out.